Well, if you notice, I'm not Brian. I am his other half, but I'm not Brian. We get the abundant blessing of serving our pastor. And that's one of the greatest things of being a pastor is because every week we get to serve y'all. But then we also get to serve our pastor. And that's what he's doing today is he is going out and he is serving our pastor and he is ministering the word of God to his church. Um, and that is First Assembly of God in Rockingham. And some of y'all know our pastor, Gene Alexander. And so every Sunday we typically pray for another church. Um, and I forgot. Does anybody need a Bible? I'll make these guys just stay in the whole service. <laughs> if you need a Bible, raise your hand. You can have it or use it. Um, if you don't have one at home, by all means, please take it home. That is your sword. Um, it is your life. And if you have one already, just leave it in the seat and we'll get it when you're done. But every Sunday we pray, we pray for another church because although we are a body, we are not the only body. Um, and we want to lift up the body of Christ. So this morning... We're going to lift up First Assembly and Pastor Gene Alexander, and we're going to lift up our pastor as he ministers the Word of God, and he is the light to another assembly, another body. Um, so, Father, we thank you. We thank you for the abundant blessing that we get to serve, to serve you and to serve our pastor. And so, Lord, we just pray blessings on Pastor Brian as he ministers the Word. Thank you that you have anointed his lips to preach your truth, and your life to that congregation. And Lord, we just pray for First Assembly. We thank you that they are calling your will on earth as it is in heaven. And Father, we thank you for the anointing and the blessing that is on Pastor Gene to minister to that flock, to shepherd that flock, and to serve them. And we thank you for that. We thank you for your love that is poured out on them. And we thank you that they are being a blessing in their area. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. I have a word that I'm really excited about. Um, last week, Brian was talking about the two different realities. If y'all remember, he was talking about the flesh reality and the spirit reality. And they are two very different realities. Um, the problem is too often we are walking in the flesh all the time and that's all we see and that's all we focus on. But as a child of God, you were in a new reality. You were in the spirit reality. But Daniel and I were talking about this before service. So many times what we do is, it's like going to a pool. We'll go up and we'll stick our toes and just to kind of see how it is and then, you know, jump back. <laughs> and we do that with the spirit realm, with the spirit reality. We'll walk in the flesh all day long. We go up to the spirit world and say, mm, not today. And we back up. But the problem is, I mean, what happens when you jump in the pool? You jump in, and it's always refreshing, and you're just like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. Yeah. The spirit realm is the same way. We just need to jump in yeah. because the flesh world has nothing that we need. And so I'm asking today, with, as a child of God, you are in the spirit realm, and you got there by accepting Jesus as your Savior. But let me ask you this. Have you really met the man who gave you life? Because John 10.10 says, and you don't need to put this up, but John 10.10 says, I came that you may have life and have it in abundance. So did you have life before Christ? You may have been walking in the flesh, but you weren't really living. And that's why there's a song that we play sometimes, third day, um, born again. And it says, I feel like I'm born again. 
I feel like I'm living for the first time. And the truth of the matter is you get born again because you're born into the flesh world. But you're not really living until you get born into that spirit world. So the question is, have you really met the man that gave you that life? Or was it just a brief interaction? Somebody you know, told you about the man that died for you so that you could live, and you're like, mm, I really need him in my life. Nice to meet you, Jesus. I accept you. Yeah. And then you go on with life. Oh, yeah, I met him. Yeah, he's my Savior. But are you connected to him? Have you gotten plugged into his power? Because the thing is, it doesn't matter how much we know about God. If we don't know him personally and we don't fellowship with him, all of that knowledge is useless. Doesn't do us one thing. And the analogy God gave me was my family. I've got lots of my family that know me. I was born Nicole Pruitt on March 13, 1978. To Dale and Nancy, I'm young. I know, y'all are thinking, oh my goodness, she's that old? She looks so young. But yeah, you know, and they know I was you know, born to Dale and Nancy and you know, I lived in Pleasant Garden. They know I was a good girl. I you know, followed the rules and I made good grades. They knew I was shy. But did they, and some even knew me enough to call me Nikki. Mmm. Yeah. But did they really know me? Did they know the response I would give before they asked the questions? Did they know what a, a facial expression meant when I made it? Did they really know who I was? Not surface stuff. You can find out most about all of that stuff off of Google nowadays about anybody. You know, where you talk to somebody. Oh, yeah, I know her. And that's the way it is with God. We know, oh, yeah, that's God. He's got a son, Jesus Christ. I think he worked in the ministry about 33 years, and then he died. He did it for us. Yeah. But do you know the answer that God's going to give you before you ask the questions? Do you know the actions that pain him or the actions that bring him joy? Yeah. Do you know that seeing that bug on Tara's Bible this morning brought him pleasure because it ministered to her because she saw such a tiny little species and yet it's living and it's breathing and it's flocking to the word it fly away and then it come back to the word that blessed god so many of us would just knock it off get off my bible and not esteem the little grace in that the little blessings in that we can know of god because this picture's found most i mean you can find this picture pretty easily in america still it's amazing. You can still find, you know, some scriptures like on our um, courthouse in God we trust. You know, we know we're supposed to trust in him. Some of us have heard the stories of Adam and Eve, Noah, Peter walking on water, and that he died, and that's really important for us somehow. But how many of the people out there know that his heart beats for them? How many know the depths of his love for them individually, not just as a whole, not as the body, but that he, he yearns for John. He yearns for Paige. How many people know that? They just think, oh yeah, he died for the world. 
But as much as he died for this body, he died for Amanda. Just Amanda. We've got to get to know that. And most of us don't. Because we don't have a relationship with him deeper than the surface. I mean, think about your mornings. Most of us, we get up in the morning and, you know, we stumble to the kitchen, fix our coffee. Most of us, we don't even have to look because we know our kitchen so well, you know. And then we stumble back to the shower, we turn on the water, you know, and we just kind of step in. And once our water hits us, it's like we might wake up a little bit, not really before the third or fourth cup of coffee, you know, but we're kind of coming to, you know, the fog starting to lift and then for some of us, we've got to get, you know, multiple kids ready. We may start, you know, supper in the crock pot or something and, you know, pack our lunch for the day, get our stuff we need for the day. Then we get into the car and we slow down. And it's like, oh, yeah, I need to, you know, I've got some time. I've got five, ten minutes before I get to work. Let me just pray. But how many of us, even on that drive, as we're praying, it's like, oof, I've got to remember to do this when I get there. And did I call that person yesterday? And suddenly, you know, we get to work and it's like, did I even finish that prayer? You know, we've not even finished our conversation with God, which we started two hours after we woke up. You know, we may encounter a problem during the day and it's like, oh, Lord, I really need your help. Or we sit down and God bless this BLT to the nourishment of my body and let me eat it quick because I got to get back to my desk. Then we go to bed. Lord, thank you for this day. I thank you for the blessings. And then you wake up in the morning and it's like, did I finish that prayer? Yeah. And we realize, you know what, I'm not sure I ever had a full conversation with my Lord yesterday. Yeah. Amen. And I know for me, I've often gone through the day and I get to the end of the day and Brian's like, how was your day? And I'm like, mm, thank you, Lord, tomorrow is a new day. <laughs> it's like, oh, what happened? Oh, okay. You know, I've asked the girls this, you know, how was your day? Well, I had a tummy ache after lunch. Okay, well, did you pray over it? <laughs> oh, well, what'd you do? Well, I asked my teacher if I could have some crackers. You know, or I had a headache. I asked for some ibuprofen. Did you go to the source? Yeah, that's right. You know, and so many of us are like that. We know God. We know he's good for something, but we don't really know him. We haven't really connected to him. We live in a check-the-box society. Get up in the morning, do what I need, check, got the shower done, got the coffee done, got the kids ready. I'm in the car, I got gas. Yep, 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 okay. Oh, we need to pray, yep, check. And we'll check it off in our head because we said, Dear Lord, and we forget to actually do it. You know, we're moving so fast in our fast-paced, fast-food society. We just want to get done what needs to get done and move on. I mean, think about it with your spouses. How many of us really know our spouses? In this country nowadays, there are so many people that don't really know their spouses. You know, I mean, somebody's, somebody asked me a question one time. And they're like, I need to ask Brian this. And I'm like, well, I can just tell you. He's going to say this. And I'm like, well, how do you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've been married to him for 16 years. Yeah. Well, honey, I've been married to my husband for 32, but I don't know his answer to everything. Maybe you should sit down and get to know your husband. Yeah. You know? Or our kids. How many of us know where our kids are when they're not in our, when they're not in our sight? Yeah. How many of us know what our kids will do if we turn our back? Yeah. And these is, this is our flesh and blood. Yeah. 
This is people we see each and every day. So if we barely know the people that are in front of us, do we really think that we're going to get to know a God that we can't visually see? Most of the people nowadays will not. Um, Roger, if you will throw up the multi-plug for me. Most of us are running in our life trying to get everything done, and we'll be serving God. You know, we'll come in here, and we may, you know, for me, you know, I may get the sound ready, or we may be ha- passing out things. And, you know, during the week, we're smiling at people and, you know, trying, God bless you, I'll pray for you. You know, and we've got everything that we're trying to do just right, and even serving Him, we're trying to do everything just right. And we plug everything into a source, you know, some way or another, work, church, kids, you know, husband, spouse, whatever. And we can have everything in our life neat and in order like this multi-plug. But what happens if the end of that multi-plug isn't plugged into the source? We are spinning our wheels and running ourselves ragged for nothing. But everything is neat and in order. I get up at this time every morning and my kids are ready by this time and, you know, Lunch is just right, and it's you know, packed, and I write my kids a note. And, you know, my husband's all ready. My clothes are neat and laid out and ironed, if anybody still irons, you know. And I've got my to-do list for work, and I've checked everything except for this. I've got to do it tomorrow, but I have that time planned. And everything is just right, but we never once plugged into the source. And then we wonder why, Lord, I'm serving you. I'm serving in this ministry, and I'm doing that. And yet, I just don't know how I can get it all done. I'm tired at the end of the day. I am worn out. And you said if I served you, you know, that you would take care of me. And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, you're plugged in there. But did you ever think about plugging into me? We never stop to talk to him to find out what he wants. And we never fully realize that all he wants is you. That's it. All he wants is you. To be so desired by somebody that he would give up his only son. Everything he had. I mean, ladies, what would you do when you were single if a man came up and loved on you, spent every waking second he had with you, couldn't wait to get off work so he could be with you? I know for me, I was that way with Brian. He talked about on Wednesday, you know, when we met, we worked, I worked at Pizza Hut, and I was, it was in a shopping strip, and there was a movie place right on the same strip. He'd come in, and he got the same movie, bless his heart, like 10 times. He, bought, he rented it enough, he probably could have bought two or three. But I was so excited because I knew what time he got off, and I'd be watching that door. It was a glass door, so I could see outside, and I'd be watching, there's his car. And I knew about, you know, seven, eight minutes later, he was going to go, he was going to get his movie, he was going to check out, and he was going to walk down here. He was going to have a few quarters because I had a video game machine in my pizza hut, and he'd set the quarters on the counter, and <laughs> I'd hold them quarters, so he had to ask me for another one. <laughs> yeah, I did, I reeled him in. But I knew when he got off work, this is where he was going to be. And he'd hang out with me. And when I got off work, I couldn't get out of that place fast enough, and we'd go to his apartment, and he'd hang out until about nine minutes before my curfew, because that's how long it took me to get home. Not ten. I was going to make it nine. Um, and then I'd rush home. Then the next morning, you know, he'd be on my phone, you know, or whatever. But every minute, we were looking forward to being together. And what happens when you find a guy that wants to give you the world? 
I'll protect you. I'll love you. Everything I have is yours. I mean, girls are like, honey, let's go. Give me that ring. I am yours. I will be yours forever. You want him now. But yet we've got a God that does so much more than that. You know, men, what about a lady that wants to give you your every desire? That wants to take care of you? Keeps your house nice? Makes you nice dinners? Keeps your clothes nice? Takes care of you and the kids? Not to say you shouldn't help her, but I mean, what, are you, what about a lady that does that? That makes you feel good. It makes you want to come home. She loves on you. She doesn't nag you. She doesn't tear you down. But she lifts you up with the words. She says you are blessed and highly favored. I love you with all that I am. And yet God says so much more than that to you. This is who God is. And yet we spin our wheels trying to find the answers to everything, thinking that we're serving him, but still just running as fast as we can in ten different directions. And it reminds me of, if you'll put up Luke 10, 38 to 42, it reminds me of this story with Martha and Mary. And it says, Luke uh, 10, chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. It says, And Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. His sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha, being distracted by the big dinner she was preparing, she's trying to make it just right for Jesus. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. But the Lord said, my dear Martha, bless your heart. He says, you're worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary figured out, I can be plugged in neatly to that multi-plug, but if my multi-plug isn't plugged into the source, then it's useless. And I'm preaching to myself, there are so many days when I am Martha, Martha, Martha. And I plug in and I'm spinning my wheels and I'm trying to do what I think is right and I'm trying to bless and please and minister, but I forget to stop before my day starts and plug in. I may snooze one too many times and whoop, I'll pray in the shower. And then I get in the shower and I'll forget, you know, because I'm thinking about everything i got to do. Every one of us have done this. Or... How about this one? We spin our wheels trying to, think, trying to prove that we're worthy. God, you gave your only son for me. I will live my life till the last breath I take, proving to you that it was worth it. Proving to you that Jesus didn't die in vain. How many of us do that? I've done it. I still mess up some days and do it. I've got to do this. I need to show God that it wasn't in vain. That I was a good seed. When the whole time he's saying, baby, you're already worth it. That's why he died. Yeah. Amen. He died because you were worth it before you were ever born. Yeah. It's time that we get to know our daddy. 
our Savior, and our King. It's time that we get to know the source of our life. So let me ask you this now, and I want you to, I want you to really think about this question. This door opens up, and Jesus walks in right now. What do you do? How do you react? Do you rush to the door before he can get in? You know, and pull him in or fall at his feet or worship him or, you know, you just cry at his majesty? Or do you say, oh, come on in, Jesus. We're worshiping you. We're learning about you. Come on in, pull up a seat. Because we're a little bit like Martha. And we're serving you, Jesus. Come on and pull up a seat. As soon as we get done with this part, we'll minister to you and we'll love on you. But what happens if I said, this is it. There's no more service today. With the end of this sentence, we're done. But what we're going to do is we're going to sit in silence. And we're going to worship our Savior and love on our King. How many of us would go home and say, I could have done that from the comfort of my house, from the couch. That was wasted time. Do we realize that he's here? Now? Do we realize that he's in the car with us as we drive to wherever we go for lunch? That he's in the bed with us every night? Wanting to talk to us before we drift off to sleep and have peaceful, restful dreams because he's right there? Do we realize that he's beside us at work? As the girls being mean to us? That he's beside us, rubbing our back, massaging our shoulders maybe, giving us the wisdom we need to love the hell right out of her. I mean, do we really realize that he's there? That's who he is. It's not an acquaintance that we met at the kitchen table or the altar of the church and we can only see him when we go there. But he is here every second of every day. His Holy Spirit is with us. And I was, I was praying on this last night. I'd already typed up all my notes, and I was thinking on this, and I was like, it just hit me. I was like, Lord, I didn't fully know who I was, who I am, until I got to know you. You see, I met God on December 29, 1999 at Brian's kitchen table. Him and his daddy led me to the Lord at the kitchen table right after, supper, or right after lunch, after we had gone to church. Prior to that day, I thought I was Nicole Pruitt, Mama's girl, whatever Mama likes, Nicole likes. Mama likes the beach best, so Nicole likes the beach best. Mama likes her eggs cremated, so Nicole likes her eggs cremated. Mama's a shy girl, so Nicole's a shy girl. Whatever Nancy was, that's who Nicole was. That's where my identity was. But it wasn't until I met Jesus and I got in his word that I realized who I was, that I was strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I wasn't a shy person. I loved people. And I wasn't fearful of them anymore because he gave me strength, that he died for me and that he gave me so much and so much for them, they didn't even know what they had. And suddenly... I wasn't scared of people anymore. I had a heart for them, a need to talk to them and to tell them who they were and to tell them the blessings that they have. You see, most people are bitter and angry because they don't know who they are because they don't know the king. Because until you get to know him, you can't know yourself because you were created in his image. 
So if you don't know what that image is, you won't know it. You won't know who you are. We can't feel his presence because it's foreign to us. Because we haven't gotten to know it. It's like a foreign language. You hear someone, it's like, hope he's not talking about me. Because you have no clue what they're saying. But suddenly you start to learn it and you're like, ah, oh, I know that word. I know that word. And the more you're around it, the more you learn and the more you pick up. And it's the same way with the presence of God. The more you're in it, the more you learn, the more you feel. I mean, that's like, what was it, Wednesday. Before we ever got to church, Abigail wasn't scheduled in nursery. And she says, Mama, I just feel like I'm supposed to be there. And my question to her was, okay, do you feel like you're supposed to be there or do you just want to be there? I really feel like I'm supposed to be there. Okay, who's scheduled there? Well, Priscilla is. And it worked out great because, you know, we get here and I'm like, well, I think I need you here, but let's keep praying on it. And it worked out. Abigail was supposed to be there. How did she know that? She's only 13. She knew it because she's surrounded with the presence of God. She doesn't just come here because she's the pastor's daughter. And she doesn't just get it Wednesday and Sunday. This is the life we live. Most of our nights, even if you don't see us, are ministering to someone in some way, shape, or form. And if we go, they go. And when we're having Bible study, they're having Bible study. And when somebody is on TV preaching, they hear it. She is surrounded by his presence. That's why a 13-year-old can know when God says, you're not scheduled, somebody else is scheduled, but you need to be there. And we can do the same thing. By surrounding ourselves with him. We have to stop squeezing him in and draw near to him. James 4.8 tells us, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. He is waiting to come to you. But he is not a pushy God. He is not going to force himself on you. He is looking. He's saying, oh, Lee, come here. Come here. I want you. And he'll stay like this the entire time. But until she sticks her hand out and takes it, he won't pull. He's asking her to come. But until we take his hand, he's not going to force us. He's a gentleman. Well, Nicole, that's great. I've tried to talk to him, but I don't hear him. Well, let me ask you this. And this is experience speaking. Are you talking with him or are you talking at him? Because there's a big difference. Are you peace be stealing so he can get some word in? Or are you saying, Lord, you don't know my day. If you just knew that woman that I had to deal with. Did you see what Brian did last night? I mean, ugh. Do you see everything that is on my list? I need to get all this done, Lord, and I need your help. I need you to help me get it done. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're off. And God's going, which way did she go? (laughs) Or are you saying, all right, Lord, I've got this, I've got that, and I've got that. But you already know this, and I know you've got the plan. So I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to empty my mind of everything I have today. I'm going to empty my mind of what, you know, Bo Cephas did last night to piss me off. I'm going to empty my mind of every fear that I have. 
And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to be quiet until I hear from you. Do we schedule that in? Do we schedule that time so that we can plug in and we can hear from him? And then do we sit long enough to hear from him? Because like I said, I'm, I'm preaching from experience. You know, I was the one, and then I'm off. Let me go serve you now. You know, and I'm just like, you know, what is that little Tasmanian devil? And God's like, girl, slow your roll. But how many of us have really stopped to learn his voice? You know, Paige can call me, and I know Paige's voice because we've talked, we've developed a relationship, we're learning each other more and more every day. But I just met Heather this morning. So Heather could call me and say, hey, girl, I met you Sunday. How are you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. Who's this? Because I haven't yet learned her voice. And God's the same way. We have to get plugged in. We have to learn his voice by getting into the word, by getting into church, by getting, to, getting into preaching and hearing who he is, learning about him. Not just coming in Wednesday night and Sunday mornings. I mean, that's what? All in total, three, four hours? Five talks? If you come to all the services? There are 24 hours in a day. I mean, you've barely hit a smidge of what? A fifth of the day? We have to feed. We have to get connected. We have to talk to him in our cars, in the showers. If you're filled with the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. Gosh, it's one of the best ways to learn who he is. And as you learn who he is, as you connect with him, you begin to learn that voice. So as you're sitting on the couch or on your knees or in the office or in the shower, and you're just like, all right, Lord, I'm I'm peace be stilling. Talk. And suddenly... I mean, it may not come in the first 30 seconds. He may give you a few minutes to just chill, to rest, to breathe. And then he's going to start talking to you. And he's going to start ministering to you. And you're going to start to have the peace. And you're going to start to have the wisdom of, that's how I get that done. And suddenly a day that 30 minutes ago seemed so hectic and like you couldn't get it all done, it's just laid out beautifully. And you know exactly what to do. And you know how to sow in to people that need to be you know, blessed, even if they don't deserve it. And you know how to do this for your family. You know how to minister. You know how to receive his blessings. Just one word from God can turn an entire situation around. But if we don't know his voice, we'll miss that word. John, uh, John, yeah, John 16, 33 tells us we're going to have trials. It says, I've told you of all this so that you can have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I've overcome this world. Physically, you live in the flesh reality. But as you live in the spirit reality, that overcomes the flesh reality. We may walk into this, in this flesh world. Our feet may hit flesh ground. But who we are is so deep in that spirit realm that it doesn't matter what our feet hit and what our eyes see. What our spirit knows is truth. Amen. That's why we have to, Jeff was talking about this during the class, we have to pray in spirit and in truth. We have to worship in spirit and in truth. Because if we come in here on Sunday mornings and it's just like, oh, 
I had a really nice polo shirt on, and the cat hit hit the shirt or hit the coffee cup and spilled it all over my polo shirt before I could even minister the class this morning. It was just a rough start to the day, and then Tara's talking on and on about this bug on her Bible, and I didn't have any time to pray before I got here. You know, if we do that, then yeah, we get here when it's time for, you know, worship, and we're like, uh-huh, yep, okay, Lord, I'm singing to you, and do you know how hard it's going to get to get that stain out? Please let Tara have some downtime before we ride home so I can just breathe. Instead, we're going, Lord, I don't care about the day. I just want to praise you. That's all that matters. That's when our praise takes us to a different level. That's when we get in here and when it's time for Brian or I or whoever to minister the word of God, we can receive because we've put down the flesh and we are so in the spirit that all we can hear is his word, his love, his truth. And it soaks in. And if we're fellowshipping with him, then we know we're not alone. We know in Psalm 91, 15, it tells us, He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. This is what God is saying to you. He's saying, as J.D. calls upon me, I'm going to answer him. I'm going to be with him no matter what he goes through. And when the day goes bad, he's going to know that I'm there to rescue him. And that I'm going to honor him. Because as we honor him before men, he honors us before the Father. See, we have to realize the battle is the Lord's. But if we don't let him in, we can't complain about losing the victory. And that battle is won in our hearts. Once you have victory on the inside, once you know who you are, when you know that identity in Christ that Jeff taught about, you know that identity, you know the battle is already won. The war has been won. And when you know that, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, they, but they must bow. They may, it's like the, um, y'all watch Tom and Jerry? Abigail loves Tom and Jerry. And you got the little mouse and he's trying to scare Tom, I think it is, and He's got the flashlight behind him, and suddenly this little bitty mouse looks like this big, giant monster. That's circumstances. They are this tiny. They're just standing in front of a flashlight that's making them go, I am this big, and I'm going to devour you. And God's going, (laughs) watch this. And he's gone. This is our circumstances. This is the flesh world. It is minuscule when you know that your victory is already won. So how do you win it in your heart? You know who you are. I can't go up to Rebecca and say, Rebecca, you're a duck. Make a duck sound. Quack, quack, quack. Oh, you're a duck. Can you walk like a duck? Sure can. Oh, you're definitely a duck. She's going to look at you and go, girl, I don't know what you ate this morning, but I think it was bad. I mean, it's silly to think about. But why do we doubt who we are? How much sillier is it for someone to say, you're a flesh person. You live in the flesh world. You are in the flesh. You're going to die in the flesh. And you're going to live a horrid flesh life. How come none of us laugh at that? It's just as stupid as me telling her that she's a duck. Yep, we can talk in the flesh, we can walk in the flesh, we can make stupid flesh decisions and actions, 
that doesn't mean that we're in the flesh anymore. Are you or are you not a child of God? I'm a child of God. Period. The end. If it's not in his kingdom, if it's not in his word, it's not truth. And it's just a stupid fabricated lie like if you were to try to tell me I was a duck. But we don't know who it is because we've severed our connection. Because we've stopped bearing fruit. We aren't sure where our identity is found. You know, Daniel and I were talking about that this morning. He was saying, you know, it's like what Jim Hockaday was saying. So many of us, we have a testimony. But if we think about it, how old is that testimony? A lot of our testimonies are two, three years ago, even further. Oh, yeah, I've got a testimony. God is so good. Let me tell you what he did when Abigail was born. And she had a problem with her heart. And she could have died. And not only did she die on the table, but God brought her back twice. The, the, twice Satan has tried to take Abigail's life. And twice God has saved her. I know who God is. He brought my daughter back from death. Raised her up. I know exactly who God is. It's great, Nicole. How long ago was that? 13 years. What's he done for you today? Mm, he got me here. Praise God. I woke up and I'm breathing. He is here. Super. But what's a testimony? What else has he done for you? Has he healed you? Uh-huh. About five years ago. Okay, what has he done for you today? And most, of, a lot of our testimonies are that way. Because we've severed our connection. We're still a part of God's family. We still have his life living inside of us. But we've severed, we're, we've unplugged. We still have his light, the power flowing in us. There's power in that multi-plug. You know, it can work. But if we don't plug it in, it's not going to activate. You know what I mean? Or there's juices flowing in as it's plugged up, but if we don't turn off the, or we don't hit the own switch, it won't go to work. And that's how so many of us are. Matthew seven sixteen says, "You will know them by their fruit. Grapes aren't gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they?" So when you go to work, what's the fruit people see? Or how about this one for me? When you get in the car. And you're behind the wheel. What's the fruit people see? I'm still working on that fruit. There are some days that it's nice and ripe. There are others. I think it fell from the tree. But they're going to know the fruit. They're going to know who you are by the fruit. Is it old fruit that's fallen on the ground and started to wither? Yeah, I see fruit down there, but yeesh, I'm not sure I want to take part in that. Or is it ripe fruit, ready to be plucked, that's ministering to people, that's saying... Man, that apple looks so juicy and ripe. I've got to have it. Amen. Is that the fruit that we're giving? John 15, 1 through 8 tells us, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word I've spoken you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, 
He bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. As they gather, and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified in this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. This right here tells you, as you abide in him, as you live connected to him, you're going to bear good fruit. God is going to want to give you the desires of your heart because it glorifies him. It blesses him when you are ripe and juicy and fat with his blessings. When you look so good that other people want to be connected to that vine, when they want that life that is flowing in you, that glorifies the Father. But so many of us forget that if part, if you abide in me, and we just expect him to deliver our order without opening the door. You can call Papa John's and order that pizza, but if you never open the door to him, you ain't getting that pizza. It's going to sit there. It's going to get old and dry and crusty. And it's the same way with God. We have to stay connected to the power source if we want the power flowing through us. It's the same reason why we're often too weak to get past the attacks when we face them. We don't have any power because we've unplugged. We're still trying to live off of yesterday's power. Why don't we see the fruit and the fruit of the Spirit in Christians? God's given it to everyone who's born again. So where is it? I mean, it's like a, a tree. There are seeds ready to blossom. But if you disconnect it from the root, the life giver, is that seed going to produce anything? It's there. The seed is still very much there. But it, if, if it is not rooted to that life source, it's just going to sit there. You find a Christian who isn't operating in the fruit, and you'll find a Christian who is disconnected from the vine. Amen. But then here's the problem. Not only are you disconnected, and I know none of y'all have done this. It's just me. So just enjoy the story. Um, once disconnected, I often started to mess up worse and worse because I didn't have nourishment. I didn't have power in my spirit. And we apologize, Lord, I'm so sorry I messed up. I'm going to set up these rules so I can do better. And I will follow these rules so that I'll do better. But if we aren't connected to this power source, we won't even have the strength to stick to the rules. But then here, let me ask you this question. I mean, think about somebody that's dieting or someone that's trying to quit smoking on their own. They're going to say, okay, well, I'm going to make this list of foods that I can eat, and this is the list of foods that I can't eat. And, oh, if, if I mess up, again, just talking about me, not y'all. When I mess up, my, my day is ruined. And suddenly I'm like just this worm wallowing in the ground, not worth anything, just broke, busted, and disgusted. I can't do anything. Or, you know, when Brian was smoking, he'd try to pick up a cigarette again. He'd smoke, and he's like, oh, great, I messed up. And then the problem is you get so frustrated with yourself, you pick up another cookie or you pick up another cigarette. God has broken the chains. You're not under the law anymore. You are under grace. 
But yet the enemy tries to take us right back to law every time. You need to set up these laws and you need to follow these laws. Because what happens when you break a law? You get in bondage. And that's what he wants us to think. He knows that God wants you free. He knows that if you aren't connected to him, that Satan can convince you that you're wrapped right back up in chains. Rebecca, will you come here for a minute? But here's the thing. Satan can only do what, he let, what we let him. So we can either stay connected to the vine or we can break our connection and we're just hanging, dangling, free and everything and we're going about, you know, because she's just chubby-tubby and she's really got to lose some weight. Obviously, I mean, gosh, look at this gut. So we're going to make up these rules that she's got to live by. And oh my gosh, she broke a rule. She is in bondage. And the fact of the matter is, your chain is broken. There's no chain that can bind you. But what he does is he, he puts your hands back here and he lays this chain on your hand. and He goes, you're in bondage. You messed up. You broke that law. You're not free anymore. And what happens when a kid messes up and mommy's standing here? Where does their head automatically go? And suddenly we don't even have our eyes on God who's trying to say, baby girl, no. You were beautiful. This chain is broken. You were free. And I am here to help you. Thank you. That's what severing our connection does. Because we mess up. When we're not connected, we forget who we are. We forget the life that's flowing inside of us. We forget the fruit that can blossom out of us. And we're standing back here with our hands dangling, but we think that there's a chain on it. We think that we're in bondage and, and we won't look at him because we're too ashamed of what we've done. And he's just saying, look to me. I've got the answers. Amen. I've got what you need. That chain is broken. You are not in bondage. I don't care what you did. Right. It was forgiven before you did it. Right. Just look to me. I'm here to help you. It doesn't matter if you left. Abide in me now. Come home. I want to bless you. I want to keep you. I want to satisfy you with my favor. This is what he's saying. So why does Satan fight so hard to drive a wedge between us and God? Because with connection comes joy. Why is that important? Nehemiah 8.10. He says, He continued, Go home and prepare a feast, holiday food and drink. Share it with those who don't have any, anything. Today is holy to God. Don't feel bad. The joy of God is your strength. Amen. And then Psalm 16.11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. This is what being connected to him does. It gives us joy. And so many people say, well, I can go out in the world and find joy. No, you can't. You can find fleeting moments of happiness. But just a few moments later, that same world is going to cause you pain, destruction, and sorrow. 
you know, and when I was thinking about this, I realized, you know, what has the world got? And I'm sitting here, I'm trying to think of all the good things, you know, when I was in the world, all the good things that brought me these fleeting moments of happiness. And, you know, and I realized the world doesn't produce anything. It doesn't make anything. It either copies the original or somebody that is walking in the spirit is following the leading of God. So either you have somebody that's gotten wisdom from God or you've got somebody in the flesh that looked at God's goodness and said, I'll manufacture something that's you know, almost as good. I can't make it quite as good as that, but they're not looking at the spirit world anyway, so they'll think that mine is the best. This is what the world does. Every good thing out there is from God. Unless it's an imitation that is from God. So either way, why don't we go to the source? Because the problem with the good things of this world is it's a faulty imitation. At some point or another, it's going to snap. It's going to break. Because it's not straight from the source. It's not the original. It's not as good as the original. A sequel is never as good as the original. So go to the source. And by walking with God means that we're fellowshipping with him. When we're connected to that source, we're hearing his word. And what comes from hearing? Faith. Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. When we walk with God, we're connected with him. That doesn't mean that we'll be free of problems. I mean, we just heard about that. But it will mean that we are going to know who we are and whose we are. It means that we'll be so full of joy, which gives us that strength to stand in faith until the problem is solved. That's what we as Christians are supposed to do in this world. The world needs to see, well, Jeff had a you know, frustrating morning this morning. What's he going to do? Mm, you got to preach in 30 minutes and your shirt is messed up. Ooh, let's watch. He's going to blow his top. Instead, Jeff's going to go, <laughs> that's fine. I got this shirt anyways. Somebody's going to like this pretty yellow shirt. And some things aren't as easy as that. Some are potentially devastating, like your three-month-old baby being diagnosed with a heart problem and the doctor won't let you leave the office because he says if you leave right now, you may not get back to this office in time. Your daughter will have emergency surgery in 15 minutes. So what do you do then? Well, if you're not connected to the vine, you break down into a bubbling mess of flubber and whatever and you call your mom's like oh my god she's gonna die and i mean you're just a huge mess and they're wondering well this is the girl that serves god and what's he doing for her her daughter's possibly gonna die that's no testimony if that's god i don't want it instead you say all right thank you praise god that we found this problem before it took her Praise God for these doctors that are going to operate on her. Thank you, Lord, that you guide their hands. Thank you that they minister what she needs, that that surgery makes her better than the day she was born. I thank you, Father, that your hand of protection is on her, that your bloodline of protection is all around her. And when they call you and say she's flatlined because the nurse overdosed her, I thank you, Lord, 
that this world is not the truth. I thank you that the diagnosis of that doctor that she is dead is wrong. I thank you that there is life in her body and I don't care what anybody else says. I don't care that my family behind me is already planning her funeral in their head. I don't care that you know her grandma is on the floor just a mess because she just lost her grandbaby. I thank you that they're going to call us back and they're going to say she is living and not dead, that there is life in her. That's what we do as people who are connected to the vine. That's what we do as people walking in the spirit world and not in the flesh world. I don't care if you get a diagnosis of death. God says, I came that you have life and life in abundance. So if it's not life, it's not him and it's not yours. That's what this is. And you may say, well, I've kind of heard this before. Oh, yeah, the joy is mm, my strength. Praise Jesus. But when you know that joy is yours, and they call you up, and there are two armed guards at the door because they're afraid you're going to flip out, you can say, oh, honey, go take your break. It's fine. I'm good. No, ma'am, you don't understand what I just said. Your daughter flatlined. Oh, honey, you don't understand whose I am. Amen. My daughter is just fine. Amen. That's what these messages give you. That's how you know whose you are. That's how you stand in faith when the world seems to be crumbling around you. Let it crumble. You're not of this world. You're of his kingdom. But the thing is, we forget 2 Corinthians 2.14. He is always leading us to triumph in Christ and manifest through us, through us, the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. You see, God is working but he's working through me. He's working through you. He's working through Stephen. When people come there and they've just lost the loved one, Stephen can preach the life of God into them, can comfort them with words of his love and his encouragement. He can give them hope. When people come to Jade at the bank and everything's just a mess and they don't know what they're going to do, it's okay. Let me help you. And she can give them peace. This is what he does through us. He needs you to be connected. Not staying at home because you were up too late last night and you're sleepy and I'll be there next week, I promise. Because you miss a word today and all hell breaks loose tomorrow and where does your thought go? Mm, I wish I'd have been in church yesterday. I could have used that lifting up. I wasn't in church. God is probably not too happy with me right now, and I really don't deserve anything. I can't pray for them. When all the time God is going, go, pray for them. It's my anointing flowing through these hands. It's my love coming out of these lips. This is why we have to stay connected, because through you flows the life of God. You are so important. You are so abundantly blessed each and every day. And as we stay connected to him, we can follow him to that triumph again and again and again. And if your plug wiggles loose, plug it back in. Don't throw a pity party. Oh, it came unplugged. I wasn't connected. 
I get back in and get his joy? But if the enemy can keep you busy with the world, you won't have time to sharpen the sword that cuts off his head. That's the importance of staying connected. That's the importance of knowing who you are because you are the sword that cuts off the enemy and the love that gives people life. This is who you are. So, Father, we thank you today. We thank you, Father, that you use us and you bless us. And thank you, Lord, that we can be connected to you, to the true vine. And, Lord, doesn't matter how we were this morning or how we are tomorrow. It doesn't matter how anybody is on live stream watching this now. From this moment forward, we abide in you and you in us. And through us flows your life, your truth, your love. And it doesn't matter what this world throws at us. We know that as we are connected to you, you are the life source flowing through us, that you are constantly leading us to triumph, and you are constantly giving us wisdom in which way we should go, left or right or forwards or backwards, and you are constantly giving us that joy that is our strength. And as we stay connected to you and we hear your word and we fellowship with you, you continue to build our faith. So, Lord, we come, with, come to you today with whatever we have, be it a tiny mustard seed or a mountain of faith, we come to you and say, here we are. Here's all of me. And I want all of you. And I thank you for that. I thank you that we have you now and that you flow through us. And I praise you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And as a part of that, I'm going to ask Jeff and Sherman to come up here. Um, if you'll throw up James 5.14, it says, Is anyone among you sick? He should call in the church elders, the spiritual gods, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the Lord's name. And I know Lee is supposed to have knee surgery. And we are going, she has asked for prayer from the leaders of the church. And if there is anybody else among you that is sick, that needs the elders of the church to pray for you, that needs the blessing of God, I invite you to come up here now because if he says it, that means that he is leading you to triumph. We just read 2 Corinthians 2.14. He is always leading you to triumph. So what does the word of God do? The word of God is that direction. It is that God. And he's saying, Lee needs triumph in her body. Okay, Lee, you need triumph? Then this is what you do. You go to church and you ask the elders to pray over you, to anoint you with oil in the Lord's name. And she knows that as we do that, it doesn't matter what the report was this week. What matters is that as we, put, as we come together, two or more are gathered in his name, that the word of God will not return void, that his power is flowing through her, flowing through that knee, and will bless her in every way. And so if there's anybody else that wants prayer, come on up. But for now, we're going to pray for Lee. Thank you that your word is true. 
and I thank you that you have said that the elders lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so, Lord, I thank you that as we come together now, anointing her in the name of the Lord, your word is true and is going to work in her life, in not only her knees, but every part of her body. I thank you that from the top to the bottom, she is healed and blessed in Jesus' name, that your life is flowing through her. And if your life is too full of her, death cannot linger. And so we just say life is in this body, wholeness is in this body, and we call it done now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And with that, it's all yours. of you are visiting here for the first time you can see me here over by the bookcase where Nicole's heading right now we have a gift as our way of saying welcome uh, and welcome to boomerang for your first time um, you can also see me for prayer our normal prayer team is not here this week but you can see me you can also see Sherman or Nicole if you need prayer if you need us to stand with you or pray for you or pray with you we'll be glad to do that for whatever your needs are don't forget uh, to take a bulletin with you. There are upcoming events on there. There's also sermon notes on the back side. Also, uh, if, if you want to do it electronically, all of our sermons, all of the Wednesday night teachings and the morning classes are available on the website. That's www.boomerangchurch.org. Under the media tab, you can find all of our archived services there. So you can go back and review those. Um, remember, as you leave church today, to seek out and experience and be thankful for the grace of God every day. Be prepared to come in Wednesday and give your testimony as to how God did something for you awesome on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. And it should be, as Nicole said, God should do something for you every day. Be still and listen. Listen for the, for the voice of God in the still small voice. So I just want to close us out in prayer. Um, and, and if anybody was here for Jim Hockaday, you'll remember that he, he said something so profound. Um, talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. I can sit up here and talk and give the class all morning long. Uh, Nicole can sit up here and preach. Pastor Brian can sit up here and preach. It's talk. We hear words. We speak words. But it's all cheap unless you act on those words. So my prayer this morning is this. God, open our eyes just enough to believe just a little. 
Lord, help us to act on the words that we've heard here today because you know that if anybody sat through half of what, they, what was spoken in this place today, our lives would be radically different. And we want that. Our spirit wants that from you, God. We thirst for you. We hunger for you. Lord, my, my plea with you is just bless us with, with mobility, with action, that we can take those words and just not hear them from our ears and our mind, but in our heart. And as our spirit reaches out and latches onto them and says, yes, yes, this is the truth of God. This is the knowledge and the wisdom and the character of God. I will take that and I'll put that into, into action. Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday morning, I'm going to put it into action. Thank you, Jesus, for your truth that is just preached in this place. You live here, and we love that about you. We just thank you so much today. In Jesus' name, y'all go be blessed this week and have a good week. In Jesus' name.